0: Welcome to Between Lewis and Lovecraft.
1: I'm Hannah. And
0: I'm Tyler.
1: We're here to learn more about the lives of authors that have inspired us. A journey into the stories they not only created, but also lived.
0: So join us as we dive deep into the worlds that live just out of reach. Welcome back to Between Lewis and Lovecraft. I'm too angry at my stupid computer to think of a bit to do.
1: That was really bad timing. Yeah, like really threw you for a loop 20 seconds before you were supposed to start talking.
0: All right, hold on. I'm going to, we're going to try this again. Welcome to Between Lewis and Lovecraft. I'm Hannah. And I'm... It's alive! Alive! Hannah, throw the switch! Oh, you, you pantomimed that you are throwing the switch. You're supposed to be like, Yes, last. Of course. <laughs>
1: um, I thought we established last episode that I haven't watched like any of the Frankenstein
0: adaptations all the way through. You don't need to have seen any of them to know who Igor is
1: is that true (laughs) is that (laughs) true somebody help me out here is this a universal pop culture uh, concept that I'm missing out on
0: I feel like it's it's justified that that you could at least be like yes like everyone knows who (laughs) Igor is enough to go yeah no that's that's a thing that okay Tyler
1: we can't waste time roasting me because there's so many other people we have to roast in this episode
0: yeah this is a really really fun episode I'm really excited about uh I honestly I was like meh about Mary Shelley because I I don't know a lot about her but then the more that we the more that I learned about her and then the more that I read Frankenstein the more I couldn't wait to get started on this episode
1: i know you texted me a couple days ago something about a rant that you needed to give and
0: i was like "Ooh, a
1: rant
0: yeah yeah we
1: normally get sermons but this time we're getting a rant it's uh
0: oh that's a dumb thing that happened i'm trying to look at my notes because i wrote it down that's how much that's how important that's
1: how passionate thing. you are
0: yeah um so we're talking about mary shelley uh, this is our our gateway to Halloween. Um, this episode, and then and then the next episode that we're doing is, um, is our Halloween episode. So woohoo! Yeah, that's that's kind of a big deal, right? It's coming up.
1: Yeah, I've and I feel like Mary Shelley was a, a good selection for going into the Halloween season because we've done a lot of um horror writers but she's like one of one of the classics you know we had h.p lovecraft as our third and fourth episodes ever which wasn't around halloween time really um and then we had stephen king last halloween um but yeah going back to frankenstein 1800s like really the the birth of gothic horror fiction
0: yeah um To the point where this book was like 100% not what I expected. I was expecting really? a horror movie or a horror book and I did not get what I was. what I.
1: Wanted. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think I'm in agreement with you, but uh, we should talk about that.
0: When Later. we get to that, I, yeah, let's when we get let's start with the very boring, not not interesting <laughs> at all birth of Mary Shelley that had no weirdness to it in any way.
1: At the very beginning, on <laughs> August 30th, 1797, Mary Shelley was born to, or, well, Mary Wollstonecraft Godwin was born Ooh. to parents William Godwin and Mary Wollstonecraft. Uh, And as Tyler alluded to, her birth was uh, very, very consequential. Her mom died 11 days after giving birth because the doctor who attended to her didn't bother washing his hands, as was common back then, and gave her like some septic infection. uh, And she died completely unnecessarily. So Mary grew up knowing, knowing her mom as little more than the woman from whom she got her first name and a tombstone in the churchyard of the church or the like cemetery of the church where she played which seems very on brand for this well-known scary story writer to grow up playing next to her mother's grave
0: yeah i mean it's it's definitely it's weird (laughs) like oh yeah i just also happen to uh you know i i write scary stories and um you know i've i had a, a lot of heartbreak in my life and uh also uh, my mom is a tombstone. that is that is how I envision <laughs> her.
1: Well, prior to becoming a, a tombstone, Mary Wollstonecraft had a dramatic life in her own right. She was known as the founder of British feminism, most famous for writing uh, A Vindication on the Rights of Women, which was a hugely influential text um, in its time. And her father, William Godwin, was famous for writing An Enquiry Concerning Political Justice in 1793. This was a very controversial treatise that attacked marriage, schools, church, pretty much any institution he could think of. Uh, He was an atheist, and. An anarcho-communist, which seems like a huge contradiction there, but whatever, dude. Uh, and he was a longtime bachelor who claimed not to believe in marriage, but wifed Wollstonecraft up once she got pregnant.
0: Yeah. It's really easy to say you are you don't you know believe in marriage until you get married. And then it's like, what happened? Did you just start believing or or what?
1: He's such a hypocrite. But, yeah, so their their little family, of course, Sans' mother, uh, lived in a 16-sided cluster of homes called the Polygon. Uh, They had a lot of French neighbors because this was happening after the French Revolution and they had all fled to London. Um, And Mary had an older half-sister named Fanny from her mother's previous relationship. So already, like, a pretty unusual uh, family structure, um a little while later her dad met a new neighbor named Mary Jane. A lot of Mary's in this story, so yeah, try to keep so them all many straight. Marys
0: back then. Like, and a lot of Jane. Any other name. Any other name.
1: They cannot. Uh <laughs> um, so he met this woman in eighteen oh one and married her that December, breaking one of Tyler's cardinal rules. Yep. Yeah. Um, And this woman already had a son and a daughter uh, from a previous relationship. So their family's just getting a whole lot bigger. Um, And then in 1803, when Mary was about six years old, uh, Mary Jane gave birth to another son. So that's like a family of five kids now.
0: Jeez Louise. Um,
1: Her dad's friends were all like quirky academic types. And she grew up surrounded by like very... (laughs) Uh, thoughtful discussions about science and politics, and just like really advanced topics. Um Mary and her stepsister Jane would sneak out of bed and hide under a sofa, listening to them talking. um and especially while well, Samuel Taylor Cooleridge, who was a really influential oh, I writer, say
0: Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> no. Samuel
1: cooler. Taylor Cooleridge read his rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, which I don't know if you were forced to read that in Britlet, but I nope. was. Oh, well, I didn't.
0: I wasn't smart enough to be in Brit lit, Hannah. I could barely comprehend American lit.
1: <laughs> well, I heard, or I was forced to read that poem in Brit lit, and I can just tell you that I would not have snuck out of bed at night to go listen to Samuel Taylor Coleridge uh, <laughs> recite it aloud. Sorry, um, and I thought this was fascinating. Aaron Burr also showed up at their house at least once or twice. He was the former vice president who shot and killed President Alexander Hamilton in that duel in 1804. Uh, And so I guess he was living in London in self-imposed exile between 1808 and 1812 and became friends with Mary's dad.
0: So much is happening. You just keep throwing names at me and like They're interesting, but there's so much happening right now.
1: It's like this was we see a lot of overlap in between like between famous authors of the time, like people who are friends with other. uh, We talked about it in the Arthur Conan Doyle episode. You know, he was um, a big fan of Robert Louis Stevenson and like they started corresponding with each other. Um, But this is probably the biggest uh, example of just so many names being dropped all over the place of other famous writers or just uh, politicians and stuff. It's crazy.
0: Yeah. That's just crazy. It's nuts. Like, I mean, I only know Mary Shelley for Frankenstein. Like that's, that's the only thing I've read from her. I have never read any of her poetry or anything else, short stories. I don't know what else she has, but in my opinion, if you're growing up and you're getting that much life experience thrown at you i feel like you should be writing better stuff i feel like you should be writing more stuff you know
1: well you just admitted that you don't know any of her other works so that's not her fault
0: (laughs) but it is like if she wrote better stuff i would have known about it
1: oh my gosh well you didn't know samuel (laughs) taylor Coleridge either
0: yeah, I mean, it, this is all my fault for being absolutely <laughs> ignorant. I'm not going to, I'm not going to try and get away from that one. So
1: Mary was a stubborn kid and talked back a lot, a.k.a. a brat, uh, but she was a good student. She, her father, even though they were always like struggling financially, he got tutors for her and her sister. Um, so they learned at home instead of like going to school. And she became fluent in Latin, French, Greek, and Italian. Mm. Um, during her childhood, her father started publishing books for children, retelling myths and fables, and also like publishing biographies and history books that were geared more toward young readers. Um, and then he started selling books out of a kiosk on the street. Yeah. Um, in 1807, he got a loan, and they moved into a big house with a bookshop on the ground floor. And he also rented the building next door to operate his new publishing company, which he called the Juvenile Library. So, basically, I think he was inspired by, like, wanting good reading material for his children. So, he started, like, producing the kind of reading material that he wanted hmm. them to to have access to.
0: Interesting.
1: Um, the house they lived in was very on brand as well. Uh, it was old and apparently like very poorly built. It was in London's Holborn district near the gallows and a slaughterhouse. Nice. So fun neighborhood. <laughs> um Mary had apparently some like <laughs> yeah, a little lamb that went to the slaughterhouse. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> No, apparently she had some health problems, as everyone did back then. Um, according to the biography I was reading, which was um, The Strange True Tale of Frankenstein's Creator, Mary Shelley by Catherine Reif. Um, mm. she says that Mary suffered really bad eczema, um, and her dad thought the northern climate of Scotland might help heal her. The people were always traveling to try to get...
0: Mm, help sure. for their
1: illnesses back then i think that maybe uh it was because she was constantly fighting with her stepmom that yeah, he she sent hated, her to Scotland. She hated
0: having to compete for her dad's love because she's got she went from having one sibling and her dad now she's got four siblings and another one on the way soon right and then and a stepmom who the dad loves more than her obviously it just
1: seems so weird to me that given he married this other woman when she was like three years old like how could she really resent her like you can't really remember anything before you're three i
0: don't know she seems
1: very snotty and um i didn't see anything to suggest that like mary jane was a bad step like she she doesn't seem like an evil stepmom in any way so I feel like young Mary Godwin Wollstonecraft was being a little brat.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm right. I just... Um, I know know what it's like to have a step-parent and, uh, you know, deal with the fact that uh, you you also have step-siblings. It seems, though, like she and Jane got along pretty well.
1: Yeah, I I feel like she was closer with her stepsister Jane than she was with her half-sister. Fanny. So yeah fanny but anyway in june of 1812 she was sent to scotland to stay with a family that her dad knew through book publishing and she loved scotland and she was just like absolutely enchanted by the natural surroundings um and it inspired her to write really for the first time um as an adult she remembered this is really a transformative period in her life and she got to like stretch her wings as a a writer um, And while she was gone, some new friends started showing up at her dad's house, as was wont to happen. Uh, Percy and Harriet Shelley, a young couple with a baby girl. I know that name. Tyler knows that last name. So (laughs) (laughs) Percy was the oldest son in a wealthy family, and he was also a poet. He'd already been published a little bit by now. He was pretty young. Um, He was born in 1792, so he would have been like 20. Um... He was a huge fan of uh, William Godwin for his political writings, Uh, so that was kind of like why he wanted to be hanging out there. He saw this man as an idol, and he had kind of been cut off by his own father recently um, because his father disapproved of his marriage to Harriet. Uh, Godwin admired Percy, but for his money instead, because uh, even though Sir Timothy Shelley had like kind of stopped Percy's allowance, uh, Godwin kind of he saw him as basically dollar signs
0: yeah Uh, i mean he he's basically looking for patrons he's looking for people that can pay his way in life so that he can just kind of continue doing whatever the fuck he wants to do
1: yeah that uh anarcho-communist attitude right there (laughs) Um, So when Mary returned to London at the age of 16, she and Percy instantly hit it off. This was easily disguised as friendship at first because, you know, whenever they took long walks, they had Jane with them. So, you know, it's just friendly. And they would sit in the cemetery by her mother's grave and read her works aloud to each other. You know, just friend stuff. Just totally normal. (laughs) (laughs) But soon, Percy Shelley told uh, William Godwin that he was madly in love with his daughter. Godwin tried to forbid them from seeing each other, but Jane basically played, like, carrier pigeon for them and would ferry letters back and forth. Um, Eventually, Shelley told Harriet, who at that time was pregnant with their second child, that he was in love with another woman. What? He said quote our connection was not one of passion and impulse friendship was its basis which like how much would that hurt to be like oh it's not you i'm just i've never felt passionately about you
0: like we you know how we fell in love and had a kid and got married and all that jazz you're like a friend to me though You know, like, you remember how I committed my entire life to you and I made vows so that you and I could prosper together in sickness and in health? Yeah, but I just kind of see you more as a friend, though you know you remember how i put it in you and then nine months later (laughs) you pushed out a a child that belongs to both of us it's both of us tethered together forever for all time as long as that child lives and then beyond because eternity is where the soul exists and we're all just waiting to move into this place where we we exist outside of time and space yeah but i'm more i just want to kind of be friends though
1: (laughs) (laughs) That was like its own form of poetry, right there.
0: Hell yeah. Yeah. Man. So
1: basically, Percy Shelley is one of my least favorite people.
0: Dude, the more I learned about this guy, the more I was like, how is Lord Byron beating you? <laughs> how is Lord Byron a better person than you are?
1: and we'll get to that so after percy has like just completely shattered his wife he goes to the bookstore he gives mary a bottle of poison and tells her to drink it then he pulls out a pistol ready to shoot himself so that they can pull a romeo and juliet and be together in death
0: oh my god
1: everyone in the bookstore is just like losing their shit mary like the 16 year old who's got to be the mature one here is like bro no i'm not gonna drink poison please put the pistol down and i will love you forever so neither of them kill themselves and in late july mary I and jane been
0: okay if if he would have just shot himself yeah pers-
1: mary should live but percy he was not doing the world a lot of good yeah but, nevertheless, uh, in July, Mary and Jane snuck out of the house, carrying all their belongings that they could, and they ran away to France with Percy for an epic six-week tour of several countries. So, these teenage girls, Mary's like 16 or 17, Jane's a uh, year or two younger, mm. are running off with a 20-something-year-old man to France.
0: Yeah, I'm not... I'm not <clears throat> I'm not sure how... Uh her dad is is dealing with this i would be freaking the fuck out but of course i also would have married a feminist so there would have been a part of me that's like i gotta kind of let her do her thing because if i don't then i'm just the white male oppressor that she that her mom was fighting against for her entire
1: I think life. you're allowed to oppress your underage children, but <laughs> oh,
0: that's that's a good quote. <laughs> you're allowed to under to suppress, oppress your underage children. All
1: right, that's exactly what I'll tell my children someday. You're not oppressed. You're just a child.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're not oppressed. You're cared for. There's you're a difference. Cared for yes,
1: <laughs> um, I think Mary. Yeah, so in August, Mary would have turned 18. So she, she did become an adult during this time. Uh, her family basically wrote her off. Her dad was furious. Yeah. Even after the three of them came back to London and Mary told them that she was pregnant. Surprise! No way! Yeah! Um, so even after all that, William still wouldn't talk to his daughter.
0: Which, um, and per- I thought about this. I'm still not sure where I land on, on that. And I mean, like... Like the idea of like, I don't. Know, but uh, yeah, I'm so conflicted, right? Like, well,
1: okay, oh yeah, we can talk going. about that more a little bit later because I would be conflicted too if it weren't for some of the other circumstances surrounding oh, let's hear this. It. So, let's hear it. Um, so when they're back in London things are not easy by any means. Percy was often on the run from debt collectors because um, even though like he had this wealthy family, he didn't have much of an allowance and he took out a lot of these things called post-obit loans, which apparently were loans that were given to him on the assumption that he would inherit a lot of money when his dad died. So mm. once his dad died, he would have to pay back the loan like with three times as much interest. So Holy shit. it's an insane rate yeah. On this loan that he's taking out.
0: <laughs> it's fine, my dad's never gonna die.
1: <laughs> well no, you need him to die or you need to die first. No, so one or the if, other. If the if the
0: if the idea is you pay it back once he dies, if he never dies, if he's like Dracula or something, then you never have to pay that back. Because he never dies.
1: That would be a great workaround Yeah
0: and be like dad don't ever fucking die <laughs> <laughs> Cause I'm in deep shit If you do I'm dead if you die
1: So in February of 1815 Mary gave birth prematurely to a little girl And unfortunately the baby Died within two weeks oh. Before she even got a name Cause oh. I guess back then you waited a while To give your babies a name
0: I know a lot of uh, times it's like you You christen them and you baptize them and that sort of thing
1: yeah i think that was more the tradition back then you know people didn't have their list of baby names that they you know chose when they were 15 years old
0: that <laughs> and most likely i mean it could be because they would fucking die all the time like this is a, yeah. this is an age when science was just starting to go oh maybe we should wash our hands before we put them inside of people
1: wild wild idea. I know it's but yeah crazy. you're absolutely right um I I was looking at the stats on that it was something like 15% of kids born in England at that time died before their fifth birthday oh, and the vast majority of those were before their first birthday so if you made it to your first birthday you had better odds if you made it to five then you, were you were pretty you solid were
0: good until 30
1: hopefully yeah <laughs> um so within a few weeks mary got pregnant again and she was getting sick of having her stepsister jane around all the time by now and she honestly thought percy might like hanging out with jane a little bit too much too i think there was a little little tension there (gasps) Uh, so percy paid to send jane away to some seaside cottage for a while and then Jane t- changed her name to Claire because she thought Claire Claremont sounded glamorous. So that,
0: that does sound glamorous, yeah.
1: Claire Claremont. So Jane will henceforth be known as Claire.
0: Jane Claire Claremont. Uh,
1: Jane Claire Claremont. <laughs> In January of 1816, Mary gave birth to a healthy baby boy and named him William after her father, hoping it would persuade uh, her dad to forgive them. It did not... <laughs> but godwin did write to percy asking for more money so
0: there was also a point and and i and i don't know if you were going to touch on this or not but when he when they first came back and they were snubbed by her dad they also asked for harriet they asked harriet for money at that point too
1: oh i didn't know they asked harriet for money too
0: yeah they asked he was like hey can i get like 20 pounds (laughs) She's like no (laughs) Fuck you dude Yeah so
1: Percy was asking Harriet for money William was asking Percy for money And that's where I come down on the side of like No Mary's dad is just a dick Because he Like it would be one thing if he was on principle Like you know what nope I'm not going to have any contact with you until you stop behaving like this and come home. Yeah. But no, he's like, I'm not going to talk to you, but also give me money, please.
0: Yeah. Like mooching <laughs> off your child
1: <laughs> who you refuse to talk to. Can That's I why out, I think her dad sucks. Can I take
0: out one of those death loans, but on your kid? <laughs> because I'll probably die before him.
1: Oh, my God. That would be terrible. <laughs> take out a death loan on your child. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm sure there's some work around in there.
1: But yeah, so not not a good family. Uh, Claire, meanwhile, had started writing to the poet and notorious playboy, Lord Byron. Mm. Uh, She was trying... uh, She, like, had aspirations of being famous or something. She wanted to get in contact with him, and she was, like, kind of using... William Godwin is bait because she knew that he was a big fan of William Godwin, like every other dude in 1800s England, for some reason. Yeah. Um, so she was like, in, hey, I'm in related the publishing to him.
0: Realm. Like, he is, he's in the heart of people that are coming to, like, they got, they're getting big names. He's helping them get published. He's helping them get their stuff out there. Um, and he knows But everyone. he was he also, like, a know- legend
1: for his political writings, for too. Like, I think, yeah. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, of, of course everybody loves him. It, it would be, I don't, I'm trying to think of an equivalent today of, like, someone that's, someone that's inspired people to just kind of be themselves and reform and stuff away from the old ways. But I, I don't, I can't, everybody changes within, you know, a year or two nowadays. I don't I can't think
1: <laughs> yeah. of so Claire was uh, successful pretty soon. She became the 17-year-old mistress of the 28-year-old Lord Byron. Mm. So that's a thing. Okay. <laughs> that spring, uh, Lord Byron took off for Geneva, Switzerland on holiday without Claire. Uh, but Claire didn't want to let him get away, so she told Mary and Percy that they should go on holiday to Geneva, too.
0: Yeah, and Totally.
1: None of these people have jobs, so they just, like, packed up and left and went to the hotel where Claire knew Byron planned to stop. Uh, He got there about two weeks later, showing up in a fancy carriage with a friend, a dog, a monkey, and a peacock. I don't know why he takes, like, zoo animals with him everywhere he travels, but that's, like, his thing, is just being over-the-top flamboyant and flashy. Because
0: he has too much money, and he doesn't know what to do with it. yes (laughs) yes <laughs> I, I get so irritated when I think about the fact that there are people whose lives were just you know hanging out and for the next couple of months we're going to hang out by the beach and then in a couple of months we're going to go hang out with some friends in the countryside then after that we're going to go hang out in the mountains at a lodge and then we're probably going to go to another country after that and do some you know talking to people and balls and stuff And And this is a
1: family that's, like, supposedly struggling... Not Lord Byron, but, like, Percy's living off of loans. And Mary's dad has, like, no money at all. He's asking the dude who's living off of loans for loans. Yeah. So I I have no idea how they afford this.
0: Yeah, I don't either. I really... I don't understand how that mindset works. I mean, I would love to experience it if someone wants to just start paying me, like... (laughs) I don't know, five hundred thousand dollars a year or something. Then I can I can give it a try. That's and, the uh, amount
1: where you feel like you'd be able to live like them.
0: Five hundred thousand dollars a year? Yeah, hell yeah. Are you kidding? I think me? I could do it for less. Mm, maybe, but I'm. We're talking about luxury. We're talking about like, we're talking about a couple of months at the coast, a couple of months traveling the, you know, going on a train. To go to the East Coast to hang out with some friends for a month or so, like, and then you're paying for everything. You're the one that's paying for, like, you throw parties, you 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 bring fucking monkeys and peacocks with you everywhere.
1: Oh, you want to live like Lord Byron? I'm I just was saying. Thinking I'm just saying, saying like, like in general,
0: in general, like the luxury lifestyle, the the leisurely lifestyle, and then all I do is fucking write books you know and poetry fuck yeah they're all poets and shit because they got nothing (laughs) else to do
1: yeah it would be very easy to be a writer in these circumstances
0: if someone just pays me five hundred thousand dollars a year i guarantee i can be one of the best authors ever guaranteed i'm throwing that one out there if someone
1: out there is listening i'll do it for a hundred (laughs) thousand. (laughs) <laughs> I'm underselling you.
0: <laughs> My books will be better, though. They'll be five times better.
1: <laughs> so, coming back to our favorite, okay, 80, like reality 000. TV I'll do show, 80, people, eighty
0: thousand a year. Oh,
1: you just underbid me. That's <laughs> yeah. not fair.
0: Yeah, no, I'm joking. Okay, Go, sorry. S-
1: so back to geneva shore or whatever's going on here uh lord byron avoided them at first because he was like "Mm, i don't want to talk to claire i'm so over that uh but you know he ran into them on the beach and politeness dictated that he had to say hey uh and he and percy immediately hit it off because they're both dicks um and so they became fast friends That June, there were apparently a lot of rainy, chilly days. People called 1816 the year without a summer. Mm. So these young writers on holiday at the beach were kept inside most of their vacation. Uh, And on particularly stormy nights, they would hang out at Byron's villa talking about um, strange occurrences and reading scary stories back and forth to each other. Uh, His friend's fascination with the occult and uh, like horror gave Byron an idea He declared that they should each write a ghost story. Um, So Mary lay in bed trying to come up with an idea when apparently out of nowhere one suddenly emerged. I don't know how I can channel this energy, but that would be great. Uh, She wrote in her journal about seeing a pale student of, quote, unhallowed arts kneeling beside the thing he put together. A hideous phantasm of a man stretched out and on the working of some powerful engine show signs of life. So she basically just like daydreamed Frankenstein and
0: hey, Uh Where's her kid right now? Where's her son? Just sleeping somewhere, being peaceful. He just he just hangs out in the giant manor of just, Lord Byron by the by the lake. Yeah while she's just
1: she Coming might have, uh, I know at one point they got like a nursemaid or whatever, because these people who are living in debt somehow still can, can hire afford, servants. Yeah. I don't remember if the nursemaid was on this trip with them or if she came later. So she might have had someone babysitting William.
0: It's just insane to me that they can just be like, yeah, I was just hanging out in my bedroom all day. And uh, and then I came up with the this monster idea. Be kind and of then wonderful. by the
1: end of the summer, she finished the rough draft. Yeah, so. so
0: that'll redefine, will create the horror genre, sci-fi genre, you know, all of that. It's going to do all that. And I was just hanging out. I was just hanging out. Just and hanging about out. Stuff. Uh, yeah. Like, honestly,
1: I feel like people would have more kids if it were as easy as Mary Shelley makes it seem.
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Minus all the dying. a lot of neighbors had, uh, telescopes, uh, that they would peer into the manor to catch glimpses of the, um, parade of naked people running around and stuff, doing things, the audacity of it all.
1: Yeah, didn't... Didn't Lord Byron, like, try to stop them or something? Or was, like, the hotel owner actually renting out the telescopes? I thought I saw something I weird about that.
0: I didn't see anything. <laughs> it was like they were
1: capitalizing on Lord Byron
0: being there. I, I believe I think he was such a big name at that point for being, you know, such a, a, a flamboyant and uh, aud- ost- ostentatious guy that yeah like his name preceded him he was a celebrity at that point like people knew he was coming and they were excited whether they (laughs) pretended to be you know upset with him or not they were excited about what he could bring to the air to where they're at
1: well he brought something to the claire Uh because she soon announced that she was pregnant with lord byron's child
0: wow well done
1: Thank you. Thank you. I'm getting better.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Um, Unfortunately, Lord Byron was already tired of her. He wrote to a friend, quote, I never loved nor pretended to love her. But a man is a man. And if a girl of 18 comes prancing to you at all hours, there is but one way.
0: Good Lord.
1: (laughs) So I don't know. I feel like Lord Byron is more of a jerk than Percy Shelley at this point. Um.
0: Yeah. Although he
1: wasn't married, so
0: they're they're two different I mean it's not that he's a jerk. It's that I I don't know. I guess it's it's on Claire, Jane, for expecting that anything was gonna come out <laughs> of it, right? Like like she It's Lord Byron. She's shacking up with Lord Byron. <laughs> Yeah, she is
1: making a really dumb choice. You think
0: think that he's going to care at all? Like, this is a guy who is literally famous for being one of the most ridiculous dudes in the world at that time. And then you're going to be like, oh, I'm pregnant. And you're going to be upset that he's going to be like, nah, I don't give a shit. (laughs) Like, he he just doesn't care. Whereas, like, Shelly has made a vow to a woman who has her his child and has another one on the way. It is his job to support this person, and he's going out and just spending (laughs) all their money, and then he falls in love with a 16-year-old girl, and he's like, Hey, guess what, hon? We're just friends now. And now I'm passionately in love with this other little girl who... Just recently got her first period, so I'm gonna just get that going as quick as I can because you know what they say, get it while it's fresh. That's what that's what we always say in 1800s England. It's it's what we always say. He's so much grosser to me. I don't know. That's fair.
1: So. Lord Byron apparently cared enough uh, about his unborn child that, you know, he didn't want it to be raised around the atheist Shelleys, because God forbid. Uh, so he told Claire that he would recognize the child as his own and raise it, but Claire would only be able to visit occasionally, and she had to, like, pretend to be an aunt. She couldn't actually be its mother. Um, I'm so sorry.
0: I'm so sorry. Can There's so much about what you just said that's...
1: That was pretty was typical Lord back then. Byron like
0: Byron religious?
1: I didn't... Uh, yeah, apparently he was religious. He was a super slut, but very religious.
0: <laughs> <laughs> very weird. That's just throwing me through a, a big old loop right now. Like, oh, sorry. I'd love to sleep with you, honey, but I have to get to mass.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he might have been a, uh, a Catholic or a Christian in a name only
0: yeah maybe it just seems very random that that's his problem like it's not it has nothing to do with her being like you know unfit to be a mom or i don't know a 19 year old um it's the fact that seventeen or
1: 18 yeah
0: her dad is an atheist and so so is she um and then yet could you could you imagine having a kid and then you have to pretend to be its aunt
1: yeah that's wild um, but the context that was given in the bio I read was that that was pretty normal back then like moms didn't have parental rights if the yeah. husband said so or if the father said so
0: and fucking um, <laughs> now it's like the complete and, opposite <laughs> and now um, Mary's mom is just rolling in her grave I guess it's not her daughter that it's happening to so she probably doesn't but she would be much. offended on behalf of women yeah. everywhere I'm sure I'm like, no, fucking stick up for yourself, you dumbass.
1: (laughs) So as this is going on, Fanny, Mary's older sister, who they've completely forgotten about at this point, Mm -hmm. um, and who was bearing the brunt of the family's financial stresses at home, disappeared in October. And then a little while later, her body was found in a room (sighs) at an inn. She had poisoned herself.
0: Oh, shit
1: yeah suicide was super taboo back then so no one outside the family was even allowed to know what happened um they told people that she died from a fever uh, because it was just like considered so shameful
0: i mean yeah what all right it's a different time and period i don't i don't know how it's shameful to the rest of the family but I guess I get it. They're super religious, except for the show. Uh, no,
1: those are atheists. So I'm not really. I, they seem very concerned about what other people think about them, which is weird to me. Mm. I I guess it's just one of the many hypocrisies of William Godwin.
0: Yeah. So far, these people are not striking me as people I would want to <laughs> um, model myself. After Be friends with? And or hang oh, out yeah. with in any way.
1: Yeah. So, two months after Mary's sister killed herself, in December, Percy got a letter informing him that Harriet was dead as well. What? She apparently drowned herself in a lake in Hyde Park while she was pregnant with the child of an army officer that she had been having an affair with.
0: Yeah. I mean, no, not an affair. She was alone because her husband was having an affair he was having an affair she was not she was alone she was abandoned and she was looking for comfort in the arms of anybody that would provide it for her and someone that would take care of her her husband was having an affair with the well, fucking I suspect 16 things year old maybe
1: weren't like all above board with the army <laughs> officer because i think maybe like
0: he might have had someone else too Oh, my God. Can we? What the hell is happening in the 1800s? Jeez In the
1: 1800s. So now Percy's real wife is dead, and he's free to get remarried because divorce wasn't a thing back then. So Percy and Mary head off to the church on December 30th, 1816, and get hitched. And then William welcomed them back into the family because for a man who wrote an entire treatise against marriage... That was very important to him.
0: What in the fucking hell? Jeez, Lou fucking wheeze. What is wrong with these people, Hannah? Are they all high on lead? Are they all drinking zinc directly into their bloodstreams? Like, what mercury are they putting in their bread that makes them, A, so hypocritical, and B sleep with anything that is around them under the age of 18. Yeah, there's no impulse control in this
1: in this circle at all.
0: My God, this, this is the worst. Yeah, fucking, I... <clears throat> it's just nonstop drama and I am so here for it. I guess, yeah. I mean, this should be a... They should fucking do a soap opera based off of the life of Mary Shelley because it would work. It would fucking work. But <clears throat> going back just one step there's no... There, I mean you describe it but and maybe there's some time. Maybe there's some time between oh this letter that informs me that my wife the mother of my children has just murdered herself and... No and, it's
1: like two weeks or something. Oh, like it fuck, all happened dude. in the same month.
0: So... There's no moment where where this guy, where Shelly, contemplates the fact that he is responsible for the death of a woman because he has left her, he has abandoned her, and she has been disgraced to the point of being with another man and is now carrying his child. She has killed herself. And their child, this other guy's child. She's carried, she's murdered herself and a person, another person. And, and it's his fault. It's his fault. It's Percy Shelley's fault. And he doesn't give two shits. And two weeks down the road, he's just skipping down the, the aisle with Mary in his hands. Going, ha ah, ha, I finally got my way. <laughs>
1: yeah that's basically it things worked out smashingly for percy shelley in
0: this i'm about to lose my shit (sighs) okay well hold it together did when i bought frankenstein did any of my money go towards the percy shelley estate in any way because (laughs) i'm about to go get my money back (laughs) well we'll we'll get there okay this guy's worse than mr james I'm putting this out there, one
1: hundred percent, because he actually like did shit.
0: I hate Percy Shelley so much. (laughs) We'll have more opportunities to hate Percy Shelley.
1: (laughs) So, uh, after all of this shit goes down, uh, Mary published her first uh official work. It was a travel journal, which apparently was like a huge thing back then. Her mom published one too um, about her travels in Europe. And she called it the history of a six weeks tour through a part of France, Switzerland, Germany, and Holland, because titles were just really, really descriptive back then.
0: Yeah.
1: Um she like co-wrote it with Percy. It earned a few good reviews um and it was published anonymously but critics knew it had mostly been written by a lady who, quote, prattles away very prettily, according to one reviewer. So the first of many overtly sexist uh, reviews that she would get throughout her career.
0: Yeah, that's bullshit. I mean, I don't like her, but I mean, don't don't sit there and just be like, oh, she's a woman. So and she wrote something. So
1: <laughs> she just prattles like women do.
0: I, I've and, watched a lot of Jane Austen stuff, like like movies about Jane Austen, because I'm married to my wife, um, and I don't cheat on her. I actually enjoy being around her and, you know... Good job. Being around my Three wife. Three gold stars. Um, and, and, like, I do know that, like, that... It was not taboo, but it was really, like, if a woman chooses to write a novel or something, which a novel didn't really even exist at that point... Um, it was it was looked down upon it was not the sort of thing that society was like oh yeah women writing that's that's something we like it was like why are you wasting your time you need to go get men (laughs) you need to uh you need to sell yourself so that your father can make a little bit of money you whore
1: well apparently it's really easy to get a man and raise children because she had plenty of time to write (laughs) While doing all of that
0: Did she Um, have plenty of time Or did she make plenty of time By not doing her job as a mom
1: Probably that I have no idea
0: (laughs) I was just kind of throwing it out there did you know that you can purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore? With Libro.fm, you can pick from more than 250,000 audiobooks, including bestsellers and recommendations from real booksellers. You'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name. You know who we're talking about. But you'll be part of a different story, one that supports your local community. If you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to squeeze more reading into your busy life. Listen with free libro.fm app while you do chores, walk the dog, or relax at home. If you already love audiobooks and don't know what to listen to next, check out recommendations from the people who know the books the best, the booksellers
1: man i was clapping because that was your best radio voice yeah it was like radio slash movie trailer voice yeah you like it's that? delightful well done
0: uh there is a little bit more between lewis and lovecraft special offer get two audiobooks on libro.fm for the price of $1, 14.99 with your first month of membership with code B L L offer only valid for new members in Canada and the U.S.
1: That's the best part. Yeah, Not it is. Canada it's and the U.S. Different. I mean
0: the, the free stuff. Right. Um, so that's I mean I can I can literally just take that cut it, throw it together, maybe put a little the web, the web, you know music behind there. Um, make it feel like you're buying a truck or something. <laughs> 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 the new Ford Libro.fm 2023. Um,
1: Man, if I could buy a car called a Libro, that would be excellent.
0: (laughs) It runs on on books.
1: Uh, Runs on knowledge. Yeah. In September of 1817, so when she's 20 years old now, uh, she gave birth to a daughter named Clara.
0: This this is is her second.
1: uh, Her third child, She's only got one other surviving one so far because her first one died. So Clara was very fussy and kept her up day and night because she was doing some mom stuff, apparently. Uh, She was also very paranoid about William because he's still in that danger zone where he could die at any moment.
0: Yeah, he's not quite five.
1: Yeah. And they were stressed by money problems, both Percy's and her dad's because her dad kept asking them for more money. Ugh. Um, So all that's going on. Luckily, in November, Frankenstein found a publisher uh, with Lackington Allen and Company, which was known for spooky books. Uh, So, you know, very on brand for them. Uh, Like many novels and her first travel um, book, it was going to be published anonymously as well. It came out in 1818. Uh, But some bad news came at the same time. The court, uh, who had been deciding where Percy Shelley's other children from his marriage with Harriet should go... Uh, So basically, Harriet's parents had been taking care of the kids, and they were fighting Percy Shelley for custody. The court decided that the kids would not live with either of them. Instead, they were going to go to a uh, foster family, a respected minister, and his wife.
0: I mean... Okay. It's.
1: Be, I feel but, like, it's probably very. I. I think maybe the the system back then was kind of skewed, and maybe this minister just wanted kids, kids. So that because why wouldn't they just leave them with the grandparents? Like obviously, don't give them to, to Percy. He's a terrible human.
0: Yeah, he's the worst. Um, and I mean, yeah. If I don't know what the problem would have been with grandparents, but I yeah. Sure, yeah, I didn't probably. see anything bad
1: about the grandparents.
0: It probably had something to do with the fact that it was a minister, and back then ministers had uh, a lot of power.
1: And Percy's an atheist, so yeah, no kids for you. <laughs> <laughs> so that's going on uh byron finally writes asking uh about his child who at this point has been born from from claire uh claire named her alba he writes and is like nah i don't like that name baptize her and rename her allegra (laughs) and so they do that and by this point the the townsfolk where they were living thought that Alba slash Allegra was Percy's daughter with Claire, and they were starting to really not like these three people who were living in sin together. Oh so, my gosh. Um, yeah. So they sold all of their stuff, take out another loan. They gave half the money to one of Percy's friends and some to Mary's dad, who instead of being grateful said it should have been more. And then they take <laughs> off for Italy to uh, take the baby to Lord Byron. And they took two nursemaids with them. So at this point, at least they had servants who were basically taking care of their children. Yeah. Um, Percy tried to get Mm -hmm. Byron to visit them while they were in Italy so that they could talk about the logistics of Allegra's care and Claire being able to visit later on. But Byron sent a messenger to pick up the kid instead. Uh, Percy wrote him a really scathing letter, apparently about how cruel he was being to Claire and Uh, It must have had some sway because eventually Byron was like, you know what, Claire, you can visit your daughter in the summer. Oh, so very generous offer from him.
0: Yeah. So nice. So nice for you to be able to visit your daughter. (laughs) We're just having so much fun. I leave her to you know do stuff in her room while i go do stuff to other people in my yeah, room yeah why
1: would he even want a baby it doesn't seem to jive with the party lifestyle
0: no it does not i do not get it but you know he's a christian so <laughs> <laughs> he's a christian
1: <laughs> so while they were exploring italy uh, frankenstein had become a smash hit a friend wrote to them and said it seemed to be universally known and read uh, some critics, of course, hated it, though, because it was, like, dark and creepy and about, like, un- unspeakable subjects. Uh, and one of my favorites called it, quote, the foulest toadstool, <laughs> which is delightful. <laughs> so British. <laughs> uh, nice in yeah, August- I'll say this,
0: this Frankenstein book is <laughs> foul toadstool. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go back to reading uh, the newspaper on now.
1: Hmm. (laughs) that's exactly what i pictured the reviewer sounding like (laughs) while sucking on like a pipe (laughs) (laughs) so uh when august rolled around percy took claire to venice to visit her daughter byron was feeling uncharacteristically generous i guess so he invited them all to stay in one of his many villas uh and claire would be able to spend weeks with her child so then mary uh, took William and Clara with her to go visit with them. But Clara got super sick on the way. And on September er, on September 24th, they went to Venice to see Byron's personal doctor. Clara started having seizures on the way there. And Mary was just, like, overtaken by dread. They made it to the doctor. But within hours, Clara died in her arms. Damn. And they buried her in an unmarked grave on an empty beach. What?
0: I mean, is that what she wanted? So she got to spend time with her kid. I don't think she had a though, lot right? of
1: options.
0: She, she got yeah, to spend Claire, time with her kid.
1: Claire got to hang out with Allegra.
0: She got to hold her kid for a couple of weeks no, no, and no. then she died.
1: Clara, Mary's daughter, is the one that died.
0: Oh, okay. Claire Claire's Clara, daughter right. is
1: Allegra. Yes, uh, I know. All of the names are the same. So Mary's daughter is the one who died.
0: Okay. Okay. I mean, still sad. But, very uh, sad yeah holy crap Ugh, Just,
1: so mary she kept a diary which is how we know about like so much of this she recorded her daughter's death in there where she had also written up fanny and harriet's suicides and her first daughter's death so at this point she started calling her diary her journal book of misfortunes because yeah. that's what that shit was yeah very unfortunate um And then the hits just kept coming for poor Mary. In June of 1819, William got sick with malaria and died. Mm -hmm. So she's childless again. Mm -hmm. They buried him in Rome's Protestant cemetery because they were close enough, I guess. I think where you got buried had to do with where you were. I don't think they moved bodies Bodies. around too much.
0: Yeah, they probably didn't have the technology back then to do that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, you don't want to transport a a stinky body too far Um, especially with like concerns about disease and stuff so Mary was distraught Uh, she thought she was being punished for stealing Harriet's husband which you know girl maybe you were (laughs) Uh, and she really like this drove a wedge between her and Percy she closed herself off from him he he would tell his friends he was like really sad because he wanted to comfort her but she just didn't want to be around him at all which you know is a little bit understandable i can't imagine going through losing two children after you've already lost you know your first one yeah um while she was grieving she wrote a novel called uh matilda or mathilda it has an age in it about a woman's troubled relationship with her father who confesses his incestuous love for her
0: She sent her book
1: to her her dad and asked him to find a publisher. What? Instead, he locked it away because he was like, "Yo, if you write a book about incest, people are gonna talk."
0: Yeah. What the fuck? (laughs) Why did what what possessed her to do this?
1: Well, I. Weirdly, incest is not an uncommon theme in books, especially from that time period. And, like, older, too. There's, like, Oedipus Rex. There's some Shakespeare plays that have a lot of incest in them. Like, for some reason, that's a thing.
0: Okay. Uh, okay. So,
1: I don't know that it says anything about her home life, necessarily. But, of course, anybody who reads that is going to be like, mm, she's talking about her dad.
0: But how do you how do you sit down and you're like, oh, okay, I, I just finished writing Frankenstein. Um what should I write about next? Oh, I know. Let's have a story about a dad who wants to fuck his daughter.
1: She's uh she's got kind of a wide range, you know?
0: <laughs> the thing is um I don't think that this is the first time she had incest in her books. And we'll get to that when oh. I get to my Frankenstein talking talk Okay, about I'm going to make
1: you hold on to that a little, yeah. little bit longer. Um, things finally started looking up for her again in November of 1819 when she gave birth to a son whom she named Percy. So he will be known as Percy Jr. from now on. PJ. PJ. <laughs> she began to feel a little happiness again. She started working on another book. Percy, uh, senior, started uh, hanging out with his bros more and even other women. No way. Uh, shocking, I know. He chased after an Italian teenager, dedicating oh poems to her, and God. telling her that Mary was this cold-hearted, real bitch of a it's wife. It's
0: always the other woman's fault.
1: It's always, always. Uh, this little affair ended when the girl was married off to another, another man, so... Yeah, hopefully she was better off. <laughs> um, Lord Byron, in the meantime, had put Allegra, Claire's daughter, in a convent, uh, because I guess he wasn't that into raising a child on his own, and she died of typhus in the oh, convent. That's so bad. Everyone tried to keep Claire from finding out, thinking it would ruin her, but she, when she did find out, she took it remarkably calmly. I think that poor girl was probably just like, totally traumatized by then yeah um the shelley's apparently were way more distressed percy started sleepwalking and having visions of allegra's body Uh, he didn't feel this kind of grief for his own ex-wife when when she died no but this this other person's baby really stressed him out uh, Mary was overcome with dread feeling like something terrible was going to happen so she begged Percy to leave Italy and they could go back to London but he was just like you're being crazy and his friends started to think that she was really being a nag too He was they were like oh maybe all the stuff Percy tells us about her is true she's just like terrible and doesn't want him to have any fun um, and then one day in June Mary collapsed in pain and they thought she was faking it but she was actually having a miscarriage and she nearly bled to death
0: <sighs> Oh, my gosh.
1: Yeah. So these people are all awful. Yeah. Awful to marry, too. Uh, Soon after his wife almost died, on July 1st, 1822, Percy and two of his friends took their new sailboat out on the ocean. Uh, There was a terrible storm and the ship sank. The three corpses washed up several days later on the beach Percy's was unrecognizable, uh, but there was like a book of poems that he carried around that was still in his pocket that one of his friends recognized. So they were like, that one's Percy's body. Oh, wow. So Percy Shelley is dead.
0: Thank God. (laughs) I mean, oh no. I'm going to sleepwalk because I feel so sad about this.
1: Yeah. Let's see. he, He was 30 years old, so... Very, very young. Tragically young. He was an uh, A-plus douchebag.
0: 100%. He's the <clears throat> worst person we've talked about on this show. <laughs> the worst. That's. I, and I'm comparing him to L. Ron Hubbard, one of the worst oh, people no. ever.
1: <clears throat> L. Ron Hubbard was way worse than Percy, I will say. But Percy was... Percy was bad. Elron Hubbard like actually did crimes.
0: Yeah, you know what you're right. Elron <laughs> Hubbard was the worst. It's hard. I forget to, about that. Uh, me too. He's so bad. That you forget about. <laughs> you forget about. <laughs> it.
1: Percy's just like oh, you want to throttle him.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: he's just such he's so casual about how mean he is.
0: This this episode has become more about Percy than Mary. Shelly
1: It's just all the things her terrible husband did So sorry to all the listeners who Hear about all the the bad writer Husbands Percy was one of them Is she
0: blameless in in all of this though
1: It's hard to say You know um, I don't see anything to Suggest that she was A bad wife necessarily And also like when they first started going out She's like 16 so
0: yeah she's yeah it's 16. bad to steal
1: another woman's man but and, also and you're yeah, a teenager she
0: knew that he was married like he was upfront about that he's like yeah she's a bitch um she's like a friend to me and mary was fine <laughs> being with this guy despite that she was fine going and carousing around with this guy and her stepsister you know who knows what the three of them got up to because they were carousing around. I can't think of another word.
1: Carousing. A good word. It
0: sounds so judgmental, like so like puritan judgmental. Um, <laughs> but uh but yeah, like she's she made her choices and she got pregnant three times with this guy, four times with this guy. Uh, that might have been 5 by my last count. 5? Well she, cuz she had, she had three and then d- she had the first one and then the first one and then the and the percy
1: fourth one percy and then the fifth one that was a miscarriage oh
0: right yeah the miscarriage um yeah holy shit and there was no
1: birth control back then (laughs)
0: like she was for the most part loyal to percy i guess there's no account of her cheating on him with anybody else you know Um,
1: not that i saw
0: so it's it, it is interesting to me like she, she she has this act of rebellion in the act of falling in love with Percy Shelley. And then that that kind of sent rippling effects throughout the rest of her life. She didn't do much more, it seems like, to agitate the world. She just had kids and was constantly losing them. And then at the same time, she's writing her stories and hoping to make money being a writer um Mm -hmm. so it's it it doesn't seem like it seems like mary shelley we we talk about her book and her life but it seems like her life was one in observation of of everyone else around her i don't know it it's just it it's hard to talk about mary shelley and not talk about the many people around her life that were more interesting,
1: I think that's a fair point, yeah, she is definitely defined by her social circle and by her parents too. like she yeah. came into the world the child of two famous
0: people already, so yeah. do you think that weighed on her? Do you think that was a thing?
1: um possibly I know like she. <clears throat> was a very lonely person even though she was surrounded by people so much of the time i think people described her as just like seeming lonely seeming like she didn't fit in or yeah or stuff like that
0: yeah it's it's interesting um and i think that there is i mean there's so much that we can unpack from frankenstein and i feel like a, a lot of her feelings of being an outsider looking in are, are really a big part of that book
1: oh 100 yeah and it's surprising that at 19 she captured those feelings so well yeah i think i had to go back and think about that a few times because i'm like oh that's like that's a big deal for someone so young to understand yeah. Like I would have expected that from someone in their fifties or even older. Like right. just describing the human condition like that.
0: Yeah, it it is very impressive. It, at nineteen years old, I was trying to just bike to to work in college, <laughs> and that was that was it. That was my life. You know, like I didn't do anything. I just kind of existed. She is someone who, um. Who took in the world and was able to understand it enough to put it into a book that is still to this day considered, you know, one of the best horror stories ever written. Um, And I fully disagree with that because it's a stupid book. (gasps) You didn't like it? I did not like Frankenstein okay do
1: your rant i disagree with you but do your rant
0: i don't need to do a rant i mean it's just i that's my opinion i i don't think it was i mean it was an okay book it wasn't scary it wasn't a horror book
1: no i will say i agree with you that it wasn't scary it just made me sad the whole time i was reading it i felt sad. sad
0: um everyone in it is a dumb piece of shit and Uh, they they deserve everything they got except for uh frankenstein's little brother um he didn't deserve anything and um uh, they're all dumb and also this is where this is where the rant comes in it's the gayest book i've ever read what it's the gayest (laughs) book that's not what i
1: was expecting you to say
0: actually what'd you expect me to say
1: i thought something about
0: incest i I did not expect yeah the incest well i'll get to that in a second no go on about the gay thing first they're they're entwined um so and i don't i specifically am using the word gay not like dumb not as a derogatory way i mean literally the whole thing is like from the get-go you have the captain um, so, so this—if you haven't read it, this this story of Frankenstein is a story about a captain of a ship. That's what this story is about. Okay, it's uh, the main character is a guy who wants to find the Northwest Passage and get you know to the other side of the ocean without having to go around South America or go pass through the Indies. Um, that's what this this book is about. That guy, and and then his boat gets stuck. And that's it. That's that's what that's everything that happens in this book. Uh, while he's stuck, he falls in love with a man that he finds on an iceberg or on a broken ship that hits an iceberg, and uh, they have dinner together, a romantic dinner together, and they tell each other about their entire lives. Um, and in so doing, the captain falls even deeper in love. <laughs> with the man that he found um and vows to that man that he will continue the mission that that man has set forth who is that man you might ask well that man that man is victor frankenstein (laughs) and victor frankenstein tells his story for the entirety of the book and you're reading a letter that the captain has written to his sister about this man that he has fallen in love with <laughs> to the point where he has remembered verbatim every single word this man has said and then written it down on in a letter to, and sent it to his sister. And in the story, Victor Frankenstein is a young man who is um, is betrothed at a young age to his cousin uh, which is just
1: so ins- I thought it was like his foster sister or something
0: it's his cousin it is his real cousin oh
1: that's gross yeah. i thought it
0: was bad enough when it was just like the girl that lived with him no she lives with him because it was his it was his mother's sister or something and then the and then the mother died so then the the the, the sister of the mother died and then they took her in and they're like oh you're a pretty little girl you should marry Victor who's about your ah, age when you guys get that's older. twice as So gross. now we're gonna grow you guys up together and force you guys to get married and the, and the whole time Victor's like ah yeah okay. I mean he never is like against it but he's never for it right? And But you know who he is for? His best friend in the whole world, Claremont. He loves Claremont. Okay, and if you think I'm joking about that, just look at the section where him and Claremont go off on an adventure together, and they go hang out for um, a couple years. Or right after Victor Frankenstein creates his monster for the first time and sees it, and and then he runs away. He's all depressed for, like, fucking ever. And then he he doesn't know what to do with himself until he sees, oh, good old Claremont, my beloved Claremont, whose beautiful eyes beam on me. And then and then his his world is fixed. He's happy again. He's a happy boy. And they go off to his bedroom to have breakfast together. I am not making this up. That is in the fucking book. And then and then he has a fit, and and then Claremont stays with him for like weeks, nursing him back to health, and then he comes back to, and they're like, "Oh, I'm so happy! Thank you so much for taking care of me for weeks. Thank you for being th- like a wife to me, and taking care of me." And then like a whole bunch of shit. I mean, it's nuts. It's and it it's so insane to me that that it's I've never heard people talk about this in the way of like uh, Frankenstein is dealing with um, with homosexual tendencies that he doesn't address and he doesn't want to address and the monster is a representation of that because he knows what he is but he can't face it and it's when he goes to, off to college and starts to maybe experiment with some boys and then he comes face to face with it and the second he comes face to face with it that ugly grin of reality he he goes into a fit and then he goes back to the guy that he loves, and then he's happy again because oh, he doesn't want to just fuck boys; he wants to be with someone he loves, and then he's better. And then this is where the this is where a little more insight comes in, where the first the first victim of the monster is his little brother, and this is where there's like there's a lot of layers to it. And here here's what I wrote: uh, the first hint of the monster taking its toll is when the little brother dies. There could be a lot of speculation on this. Was the boy one of Frankenstein's first lusts? Because they talk about how pretty the little boy is. A lot. It's weird, okay? And then, um... And he was worried that the beauty of the boy, and everyone spoke about it, so he was so feminine and stuff. Like, was this something where he was like, this is a... Ver- it, it... Like, it's a part of... it's It worries him that he's like wow, I'm really attracted to this little boy. And then the monster kills that little boy. Like, that's a, a metaphor. I don't know. Uh, the woman accused of killing the boy was more than a friend, closer than a sister to Frankie's girlfriend. Um, so the woman... So the little brother dies. It's the monster that kills it. But the monster um, frames a woman. And that woman is is in... Um, a. Catherine's? Elizabeth's? I can't remember her name.
1: Elizabeth, I think.
0: Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Elizabeth is Frankenstein's girlfriend, cousin, slash sister. And and this woman who gets framed and Elizabeth are like (coughs) fucking close. She literally calls her closer than a friend, right? Like... Like there's there's a little bit, like again, there's a lot of language that's in it that's I'm like, this is really, really flowery. This is really romantic language. And, uh, and so that was, is that the monster? where Frankenstein goes, no, I want to be with that girl because I want to be a heterosexual male. I don't want to be a homosexual male, but I also know that Elizabeth has a, heter- a homosexual relationship. So this monster is going to kill the little brother who I'm slightly attracted to and then frame it on that girl <laughs> because she's, she's in my way of having the heterosexual relationship. Um... Not sure which one to go with, but it could easily be speculated that Frankie jumps to the death of uh, this boy as the monster because of his own connection to the ugliness of his own sexuality. (sighs) (sighs) So that was... (laughs) (laughs) That was... I'm not joking. I'm not joking. So this is is so much further... This is so much beyond like the incest thing that happened in twilight when i'm reading twilight i'm like oh this is kind of weird this kind of like back and forth that i kind of see and if you guys haven't listened to Twilight, there was
1: nothing there in twilight that was all fabricated
0: if you haven't listened to our twilight episode you can go listen to it uh there was that conspiracy that uh bella was sleeping with her dad this is way way more solid i will give you that (laughs) this this has some actual weight to it and it's in the language.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I think you've made a compelling argument. I kind of lost you at the Elizabeth, uh, being gay thing, but the first part I'm like, okay, you know, uh, um, I'm just curious about how you can get that big of a metaphor out of it and still not
0: think the book is good. (laughs) It's not that I don't think the book is good. I didn't say that i said i don't like it
1: <laughs> okay
0: fair Be- because i wanted a scary book i wanted to read a book about a creature that was doing these terrible things um turns out it's just it, he's lit- he's a philosopher he's literally philosophizing the entire time and well, the, yeah
1: the monster is the victim until like halfway through the book and then you're like okay now the monster sucks too
0: does he or is he just tired of frankenstein shit?
1: Well, yeah, but that's still no excuse to kill a little boy, you know?
0: Yeah, okay. All right. I I yeah. I can't get on board with the fact that he killed a little boy, and I think that that's why she did that because everything he says, everything he does after that is justified in a in a way, right? Like murdering yeah. people isn't super justified, but he's like I I can't help it. Like I I just show up to talk to people and they freak the fuck out man because you made me this horrible monster
1: yeah he's a very sympathetic monster which I don't want a sympathetic monster I want a scary
0: monster I would even be okay with him philosophizing and still be ghoulish like the only ghoulishness we get is really like two or three parts like when he first wakes up and and he looks up at Frankenstein Frankenstein's like oh and runs off or when Frankenstein is about to make uh, the the bride for the monster and then um, he looks up and sees the monster staring down at him with this evil and crackling grin. It's like bro he's just excited about fucking. Are you serious? <laughs> like he's so excited to have a girlfriend. Don't be mad at him because he's smiling. you're giving him what he wants frankenstein's the real monster frankenstein uh, yeah. is the bad guy throughout the frankenstein is the bad guy so
1: humanity is the bad guy <laughs>
0: <laughs> the trippiest part was lit was the fact that i'm i'm listening to the narrator was a woman so i'm listening to the letter that is being read right so like so i'm i'm hanging out at this woman's house she gets a letter from her brother right and, and she's now oh. reading me the letter from her brother. And this is the contents where, where she's reading the letter from the captain who is now explaining the entire story of Frankenstein. And within the story of Frankenstein, uh, we have the entire story of the monster in it. You know, like, it's it, it goes inward more and more and more. It, it's it, honestly a really interesting um, story writing style that I know was kind of popular back then. Um, but it like it's gets trippy after a while when you're like, how many stories deep am I at this? Yeah, point?
1: there's a lot of layers because when I got to the end, I definitely forgot that I was reading a letter By the captain.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, And I kind of like forgot that it was the captain talking and not Frankenstein. So there was a part where I went back and I'm like, wait, who just died? Like, who's looking at the monster now? I have no idea what's going on. Um, But yeah, once I got like back on track, I was like, oh, I kind of like this style. But sometimes a little bit hard to follow.
0: Yep. It's it. It is an interesting book. It's and this is what I told some friends. I was like, it's. Basically, like reading Jane Austen, but way more gay. <laughs> That's what it felt like.
1: Is that going to be this episode's T-shirt?
0: <laughs> like Jane Austen, but gay,
1: <laughs> but way more gay, <laughs> but way more gay, and it's just got like Frankenstein on there.
0: I'll try and work on that. I did try and work on the uh, make October great again. I made the um, the pumpkin with a wig, but I can't find like a design to go with it like the words and mm. stuff so i'm I'm still working on that one uh hopefully i'll have that ready by um by halloween uh and i guess now i have to do <laughs> like jane austen but way more gay but, um okay
1: but that wasn't as ranty as i thought it was gonna be um it was more
0: conspiracy
1: yeah that's it it's a solid conspiracy theory you know
0: are you, you had like, me do in the I, first half. Do I actually... Have I, like, convinced yeah. Yeah.
1: you? Okay. It's convincing, except that I know dudes back then were way more gay.
0: Like, as like, far as their, their flowery as their friendships. Speech.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and their flowery speech. Because we've run into that before with, like, the letters that... Like, the Grimm brothers, they would write those very flowery letters to each other, being like, oh my god, I love you so much, and my heart just breaks being apart from you while you're off it." this university yeah it's uh, so
0: weird and I, and it is like a culture thing it is like a time period culture thing and I just I have a hard time with it you know and and I know that in my heart like even reading this book I, the whole time I'm like I know that this isn't it I know that it's not supposed to be this but 2022 Tyler really cannot help but hear the gayness and like and see a metaphor. And and I don't know, like I don't and I don't I don't mean for it to be like, you know, the monster represents being gay and that that means that being gay is bad or ugly or anything. I think it's more a metaphor for Frankenstein's struggle with his sexuality is the idea. And and he Mm -hmm. can't be okay with it. And the more he tries to be okay with it, the more angry he gets, and the more, um, he you know embedded in himself he becomes, and it and it slowly killed. I mean, the other part. Okay, here's there's a whole another part, Hannah, that I didn't even get to. The fucking, the whole part where he's like, he's like, hey, I'm not gonna make your mate. I'm not gonna make your your mate, and so the monster's like, oh, fine, then I'll see you on your wedding night, buddy, right? and he thinks that that means the monster is going to kill him on the wedding night. We all know, all of us know what he really means. He's going to kill the wife, right? And and it's it's so interesting how he suddenly he can no longer be excited about his wedding night because he knows that he has a decision to make. Either he admits that he's a homosexual and he wants to just be with men, <laughs> or he can let it consume his life and he's going to marry this woman no matter what and when he does that he either kills himself so that he can be with his wife so that he can be a married man or or his wife dies because he is metaphorically killing her by not accepting her because he can't because he's a homosexual right and so like You have this setup, this perfect setup for this (laughs) metaphor where the monster then comes in, his homosexuality, his struggle with his own sexuality, kills his wife (laughs) and leaves him abandoned. This, this is the
1: Frankenstein remake that we need, actually. (laughs) (laughs) I... everything you're saying makes sense it's a beautiful
0: metaphor it is a beautiful metaphor it works so perfectly well it's insane (laughs) i don't know how it's not this
1: (laughs) i think this should be our, our listener question of the day like write in and tell us if you think frankenstein is the gayest book ever written or if tyler's on crack
0: it, maybe not the gayest book ever written there's a lot of a lot of stuff especially nowadays that has a lot of you know gay stuff in it because we're a lot more open and accepting of that
1: okay well stuff today is like legitimately gay yeah exactly is this the gay? is, is this, this a metaphor
0: yes is do you think that this is a metaphor give us your opinions we want to read them i want to hear you break my uh conspiracy apart or i want to hear you confirm it give us more ammunition for this uh if there's other classics that you know like dr jackal and mr hyde is is that we don't know let us know (laughs)
1: okay are you done with your rant yeah
0: i'm done with my rant
1: (laughs) okay we've been going a long time i'm gonna lightning round through the rest of this poor lady's life there's Um, more (laughs) just her husband died bruh Oh, She's I still like in her 20s. Yeah, I forgot. Um so Percy's dead. uh they can't take the bodies anywhere so they cremate them on the beach. Uh while they're gathered gathered around the funeral pyre, Percy's weird-ass friend reaches in and breaks off a piece of his jawbone to keep oh, as a relic, that's right. burning his hand in the process. Then another friend took a bone too, and when the fire died, somehow the heart was left behind. Cause he One of had- the friends
0: he had so he had a, um, a disease or whatever that was slowly calcifying his heart.
1: Oh, yeah. So
0: he would have died of a heart attack within a year or two is what they think. But he died of drowning. And so his heart was being calcified as he lived
1: okay so that's how it survived the fire it was sitting in the ash one of the friends took it but then mary was like yo i'm his wife i should get to keep his heart yeah lord byron took her side and so the other friend relented uh so mary took the the heart home she wrapped it in silk and pages of some of his poetry and she locked it away in a portable writing desk that she took with her on her travels which is not legal now but you know again a very <laughs> mary Wollstonecraft Shelley thing to do yeah Um, After Percy died, his dad, that dick, did not give her any money, but he offered to take her son away from her, her, which she declined. Uh, She and Percy Jr. went to stay with her dad in London. She finally saw the sensation that Frankenstein had become. Uh, A popular playwright had adapted it for the stage, and she watched in amusement while it thrilled and delighted audiences. Uh, She earned nothing from any staged versions of her story, apparently. Bullshit. despite being like a best-selling author she didn't get any money from that um in 1824 she learned that lord byron had died of malaria at age 36 she wrote why am i doomed to live on seeing all expire before me which is like the theme of this poor woman's life yeah uh two years later she published another novel the last man set at the end of the 21st century so this was a futuristic novel where instead of a king england had an elected leader imagine that Mm -hmm. Uh, war and plague were killing off the world and there until there appears to be just one man left and again this one had heavy themes of like loneliness and just being isolated from others he almost seemed like frankenstein's monster like wandering the world trying to find a mate
0: interesting
1: Um, Uh, That same year, -year 11-year-old Charles Shelley, so Percy's first son with Harriet, died of tuberculosis. So now Percy Jr. was the heir to the the fortune. Uh, Sir Timothy increased his yearly allowance to 250 pounds, which would be about $21,600 in U.S. dollars today. Hell yeah. Not bad for a small child. Um, She published a couple other books after this. Eventually, she realized that you know the books were selling very slowly and it took a lot of effort to write novels so she kind of stopped i think in her whole career she published six or seven novels total Mm. as well as some short stories and poems um her dad died in april of 1836 at the age of 80 uh he had asked to be buried with his first wife so mary's mom Not the woman who had been taking care of him for the last 40 years. So William Godwin was the absolute worst until the day he died. Um, In August of 1838, Timothy Shelley finally gave permission for an official edition of his son's work to be published. So he had been like super possessive of Percy's work and his brand. He like wouldn't let Mary write anything about her deceased Mm. husband at all. Um, So a publisher paid her to write explanatory notes for all of the poems in this book. She snuck in some biographical info, too, but avoided the salacious bits so her father-in-law wouldn't get mad. Uh, Four volumes were published, but friends and some fans absolutely ripped her apart for removing the controversial poems about atheism and radical politics, which I honestly don't think was her choice. I think that was the publisher. Yeah, probably. So later that year, it was republished with those poems included. And the publisher was then charged with blasphemy and found guilty, (laughs) but he received no punishment. He was actually the last person tried for blasphemy in England, although it technically remained on the books until
0: 2008. Whoa. All right. And
1: getting into her later life. So her son, Percy, went off to Trinity College uh, in 1844. Sir Timothy finally died everybody in this Thank book or er, in her life dies like when they're a baby or in their 20s or 30s this dude lived Just forever
0: yeah he, uh, he's the king of curse
1: so fi- her her son percy jr inherited the estate um but they basically had no money because of all those post-obit loans that percy senior had taken out oh, and because no. sir timothy um Totally let the estate fall to ruin because he knew Mary was going to get it someday. So he was like, "I don't want that woman getting a nice house." So they couldn't even live in the the fancy estate. Um, and people assumed Mary was rich and kept blackmailing her for money. They were absolutely awful. Blackmailing one of, now. One of the instances that like really stood out to me was one of shelly's um, cousins threatened to publish the court proceedings from percy's custody battle over his two other kids unless she gave him 250 pounds so oh. she did Jeez. Yeah, yeah i would have just been like who cares but <laughs> she really wanted to protect percy's legacy i guess uh fat chance lady <laughs> yeah that ship has sailed Um, Her son, Percy Jr., had no ambition or talent, but Mary befriended a young, rich widow and then introduced her to her son. They got hitched and moved back into the estate, which the new wife had plenty of money to restore. Um, They moved around a little bit more, like something about the house, I suspect mold maybe, made the wife ill. So in 1849, they moved back to London uh, Mary's health was deteriorating rapidly in late 1850, um, so she would have been, like, 53 years old. Yeah. Her left leg went numb, and she was confined to bed, and then on January 23rd, 1951, she had several seizures and went into a coma. She died on February 1st. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, she was still very young, too. I mean, considering her dad lived at 80, she died at, what, 50? 54. 53 and a half-ish. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean yeah did, after a very she,
1: sad, tragic life. <laughs>
0: after she wrote the um the last man or whatever it was, did she do much writing herself?
1: Um, I think her last book was Faulkner in eighteen thirty seven. So at the time of her death, she hadn't published a novel in fourteen years. She hmm. she did a lot of like small writing to make money. She hmm. wrote um like little bio- biographical blurbs for reference books about other famous authors and stuff. Um, and one cool thing was that she made sure the publisher included female authors nice. in their their reference books. So she, a lot of her goal in her later years was to write in a way that made her money. Yeah. Which makes sense. She had to pay the bills. Yeah, because everybody,
0: mom. everybody that was, um, <laughs> <laughs> um everybody that was pretending they had money to take care of her uh, was dead and yeah. it all caught up with her instead of them fucking Shelly fucking Percy Shelly dude P- Percy Shelly is the worst the worst douchebag <laughs> um, alright is there anything else Hannah because this is uh, with my no, conspiracy I- and this lady's uh, enriched life
1: I have no conspiracies. Uh, it just all came full circle. A year after her death, her son unlocked that portable writing desk and found his father's heart inside.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh God. Just the icing on the cake. <laughs>
0: uh, so you liked Frankenstein?
1: I like it as a work. Like, like I said, it, it didn't scare me. Uh, it just made me really sad. Like I was depressed reading it.
0: It is, it is basically a gothic romance, right? Like, it is, it is not, it was not written to be a horror book. It was not written to be this, this big scary book that we are used to, you know, like Stephen King or something. It was written to have a, a paranormal, a supernatural thing that takes place within the life of a gothic, you know, story. Um, which most gothic stories i think have ghosts in them um but
1: well and it i based on the reviews it was scary back then Mm. in the way that like you know the exorcist movie was scary in the 70s and stuff like that like we just don't find things scary now that people did back then
0: yeah well and and the theme of it i guess would be more more scary than anything the idea that we could go too far you know that Mm -hmm. where is technology taking us and now we look back and we're like that wasn't even technology that's nothing um but to them it's new it's scary and and you have no idea what lies on the other side um and and then the 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 philosophizing a lot of stuff um was kind of it could be scary in the sense of like these these things that exist beyond humanity um and and the conversations themselves can be scary i guess um but i wake up and have existential dread so it like <laughs> it that doesn't bother me
1: at all <laughs> it's just another uh, another thursday in the life of tyler clausen
0: pretty much yeah well so you guys heard it from hannah if, uh, if you guys want to reach out to us and let us know what you think of Frankenstein, more generally, if you, what you think of Frankenstein, we want to hear what you have to say. Um, you can be more specific and talk about the gayness of it, um, if you would like to <laughs> uh, add to or break apart my conspiracy theory. You can do that by writing us at Lewis and Lovecraft at gmail.com. Um, you can go on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Lovecraft or on our Instagram at Lewis and Lovecraft. Um, And uh, you can go to our website. We do have um, a link to our merch store there um, where I usually try to upload uh, a new t-shirt from every episode. Uh, I've been a little slow lately, but we will be getting Make October Great Again shirts up. And uh, I guess from this one, uh, like Jane Austen, but way more gay. Uh, shirt will be going up uh, maybe
1: they would have been friends Jane and Mary uh, we, she already had a lot of Janes in her life yeah
0: she did have a ton of Janes uh, I wouldn't want that to happen to Jane Austin so she, she already <laughs> was dealing with a lot we don't need to add more oh that's
1: harsh well okay uh remember to rate and review our show on whatever platform you're listening to especially apple podcasts uh you can also rate each episode on spotify which is super cool um and leave us a review if you can we always like to hear what people think of our show and it really helps uh, other people decide to give us a listen if they're new to the show
0: what what's the number one thing that people can do for our show here
1: They can figure out who the Lord Byron of today is and write to him repeatedly telling him that he needs to check out our show.
0: I was going to say what they can do is go get married and have a child with someone (laughs) and tell them about Lewis and Lovecraft and then immediately go find another person to go be with and tell them about them and their stepsister about Lewis and Lovecraft and then run off to go find a famous person to tell about lewis and lovecraft and then you're playing the long game just stay away from your original wife or husband until they murder themselves because you are just the worst person sorry i'm still (laughs) i'm still so bitter about it
1: i think we need a second t-shirt that's just like percy shelley's face (laughs) with like stab marks (laughs) and like
0: (laughs) douchebag Uh, But yeah, tell a friend. That's the best way to to do that. And uh, next episode is our Halloween episode. So I've already started getting stories back from our readers. Um, I have to actually sit down and read mine and get it produced as well. Um, Allie uh, Fitzgerald from Fables is going to be reading a story again this year. So um, really, really excited about all the stuff that's coming in and uh, what we're producing and uh i'm also hoping if hannah can make it in we can maybe do a video so there will be the audio podcast and then on halloween actually releasing the video version of the podcast as well so uh lots of exciting things happening at towards the end of this month Um, and that being said next the week after this episode is released i don't think we're going to have anything released and i'm not doing a correspondence because i gotta focus on getting the Halloween episode ready. For sure. So, alright, anything else, Hannah?
1: No, that was exhausting.
0: Alright, well, everybody remember to stay safe and uh, go read a super gay uh, horny horror, I'm sorry, <laughs> no. supernatural book. Bye, ghoul gang. Bye. And I will say good night. Good night.